Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios, it's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Thank you for joining us, America. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of the book Paycheck to Purpose and host of the Ken Coleman Show, talking about your job, your career, how you make money, and finding work you love and that you make more money than you ever made in your life. He's my co-host today. So if you want to talk about any of that, you jump in. We will. Phone number is 888-825-5225. That's 888 888- Eight two five five two two five. Robert is with us in Alberta, Canada. Hi, Robert. How are you? Doing well. How about yourself? Better than I deserve. What's up? All right. I'm looking to buy my first house with my wife. We have about one hundred fifty thousand saved, and my in-laws are being generous and lending us about a hundred thousand help with the down payment. That's enough for us to get a decent townhome in our area, um, and that way we would only owe family, but at the that payback rate they want with my in-laws um we have room for an, about a hundred thousand dollar mortgage while staying below your recommended 25 percent limit we're wondering if it's a good idea to take the mortgage if as a result we might stay in the home longer or am i just trying to talk myself into uh debt mm. well it sounds like all of these decisions are made except the last one so i'm not sure how much i'll be able to influence this um, cause you all aren't going to like my answer. I would recommend you don't take out a loan with your in-laws. Oh, really? Yeah. The borrower is slave to the lender. And when you owe your father-in-law money, Thanksgiving dinner tastes different. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, this is how families end up not speaking to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a, yeah. uh, they, they are not necessarily, um, they probably aren't because you didn't bring it up. They're probably very kind, not controlling people. Um, that will all change the first time you miss a payment. Mm-hmm. And suddenly where you went on vacation, the brand of the kids' clothes matters. Mm-hmm. They're looking at every the, mm-hmm. every decision you make with money as to whether they get paid or not. They can't keep from doing it because they're human beings. Now, how bitter they are, angry they are, or toxic they are in response to those situations or diff- could be different depending on how wonderful people they are but it doesn't matter you're going to feel different your wife won't feel as much of it as you will but you're going to feel it and uh so that, that's my speech i would not do that i would highly recommend i will never loan my children money ever now i may give them some money if i've got some extra money to do something like you're talking about i would make that a gift personally uh, but that's pretty bold to ask for that on your part. But, uh, but, but, uh, um, anyway, all, all of that to say, yeah, I, I would buy a house that your down payment plus your mortgage that you can afford would purchase, not an in-law loan. But again, I, Robert, I have no expectation for you to follow that advice because you guys have already kind of discussed it. You're comfortable with it. You threw it out there. Like, is like, I'm picking out a shirt. You didn't think about it at all. Yeah, and I, I hope people don't miss what you just said because the dynamic changes when you talk, start talking about your in-laws doing anything for you. I remember before we got married, um, we were doing uh, some counseling. We came back from a counseling uh, session pre premarital, and Stacy's father uh, met us at the door, and and he had been working through her finances before she came into our marriage, and she had not a huge amount, may have been about fifteen thousand dollars as the student loans. 
And I was ready to take it on. We had already talked through it. I had no student loan debt at the time. All that to say, he surprised us and he said, I'm going to, we want to give you this. We want to start you all off. You know, and it was just really, really wonderful. That's very nice. Yeah. But even though it was a gift, Dave, it was still in the back of my mind. It still touches the pride button. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I, I'm glad you called it that because it still felt like, and it, it wasn't my debt, but it was going to be our debt. Yeah. And it was in the back of my mind, like I owed him something, and it didn't turn into any kind of tension because I got but it was over a gift. It. it was a gift. It was a complete gift. But if you had to pay that payment, oh, that would have really been. It was already gift. jacking with me yeah. just because it was a gift, and I think yeah. that's what I want people to hear. Why would you want to do that? Exactly, exactly. I I, I have trouble, um, just as a general category in my life. I'm not as bad at it now. Receiving gifts. Yeah, I always have. I'm yeah. a giver. I'm generous, sure. but uh, but I I'm not real good at receiving. Mm-hmm. I'm not even as good if you pick up the tab at dinner. I'm just I always want to be where the do guy. You th- where do you think that comes from? I don't know. Pride, probably. But I I I am much more able to do that than I am. The only time I've ever gotten in this situation personally, Sharon's dad is an absolute saint. He yeah. is an incredible, easy to get along with guy mm-hmm. on the planet. Never said an unkind word since, and 40 years I've been married to her. I've never heard him say anything unkind, except the opposite political party. Right. Occasionally he'd say something, but, <laughs> sure. but, um, and he's wrong about that, but right. the, um, <laughs> but he's, he's a wonderful guy. And when we went bankrupt, he loaned us a little money to get the house caught up and do some things. And, um, man, he never said a single hmm. thing. It was all paid back, but my stomach. Yeah was not the same until i got that cleared yeah it just it you talk about you like you said jacked with you messed with you yes and the old joke is anybody you loan money to it changes the relationship it does it changes a friendship it changes your roommate Mm -hmm. it changes your you loan money to your girlfriend oh that screwed that whole thing up you know uh anybody you when you loan money to someone you change it from whatever the mother father uh relationship to you know to to master slave yeah friend to master slave and the old joke is if you loan your brother-in-law a hundred dollars and he never pays it back but he never speaks to you again is it worth it (laughs) (laughs) you know so you know but that that's you know that's the kind of thing you can get into now again i will say clearly the way robert presented that i'm pretty sure his in-laws are not toxic people that's right i think they're probably like sharon's dad yeah but it will change. Well, you nailed it. It'll weigh on him. So let's say he's talking about the vacation Mm -hmm. and maybe they don't even look at him sideways, Mm -hmm. but he wonders, did I see a look? Mm -hmm. Did I, you you start, start manifesting things to your point. Your father-in-law never said anything negative, never has, but it was in your head. That's where I came up with the saying. I think you're right. Thanksgiving dinner. I think doesn't taste the same because I I experienced that you did. I'm sitting at the Thanksgiving table thinking about this and he's not thinking about it. Yeah. It didn't bother him a bit. Yeah. But, um, because he's a kind master yeah and i was a rebellious slave <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right well you know it reminds us of our good friend henry cloud you know talking about boundaries that's a boundary that i think you're right it should always be set don't take a loan from family if you, members folks, if you want to help if you want to help your children and you have the extra money and you want to give them some money no strings attached no controlling that's fine mm. but no co-signing for them for God's sakes, don't co-sign for people, and no loaning. Don't loan them money. You will you will mess up what should have been a good, pure thing. This 
is The Ramsey Show. If current times have shown us anything, it's that the least expected events can and will happen, and we have to deal with it. That's why everyone who has a family counting on them needs term life insurance. For over 25 years, the only insurance company I've recommended is Xander Insurance. Not only because they search all of the top term life plans to find you the best rates, but over the years, they have constantly changed and updated their systems to make the whole process simpler and easier to get the protection needed. You can now apply with a completely touchless experience with everything being done either over the phone or the Internet. They also have plans with super competitive rates that don't require an exam, allowing you to skip a step and get the coverage you need faster. Go to Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. Great rates and a simple process mean there's no excuse to not get this done, people. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us. George is with us. George is in Boise, Idaho. Hi, George. How are you? Uh, been better. How about you guys? Better than I deserve. What's up? So I have a kind of a weird question. Um, I'm wondering if I should get a job. And yes. Or- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I'm the sorry. same I'm thing. I'm sorry. It was under underhand pitch. Well, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so it's kind of a very, very unique situation. I applied to a government job back in January of this year, and I got a start date for last Monday. Long story short, the week, my last week at my previous job that I quit, the Wednesday, HR calls me and says, hey, we gave you a start date on Monday, but it actually isn't going to happen. Um, and we don't know how long it's going to be because it's a government job, so it has some security clearance. And she was saying that it can be anywhere from a month to a couple to a year that we can get you approved. And I asked her, okay, well, can I get a job in the meantime? And she said, if you do that, then it's going to delay your clearance and could push you back right now. So my wife and I, luckily we have no debt. We have three months of emergency fund, but we're just in a situation where we're not sure what to do in regards to it. Get a job. Get a job. Uh, You don't let some woman from the government give you that kind of nonsensical answer. Like you're supposed to put your life on hold. And I don't want you to touch that emergency fund either. Not when you are, and able. I don't want you to take the government job. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other. Uh, that's the red flag I hadn't gotten to yet. But that's what a joke. Like, would you want to work for somebody who treats you that way? No, not at all. Then walk. Get back on the horse. Get back in there. Don't touch the emergency. What, what was fund. that job going to pay? It was going to pay about two and a half times my salary for where I was currently at. What is that? Uh, fulfill. Uh, Government facility engineer. Now, how much is it going to pay the job you're not going oh. to take with the government? Oh, sorry. About 110000 Okay, wonderful. And you said you're doing what? Facilities management? Uh, facility engineer. Facility engineer. For, for some kind of a classified um, facility? Correct, yes. Okay. It's for the, the Navy. Okay. All right. That's why the security clearance. All right. Well, I suspect if the government is willing to pay you one ten, you're probably worth more than that. A lot more. Somewhere else. 
in the same field. And so I would start looking for a job like mm-hmm. four months ago, but yes, but today will do. And okay. wouldn't you can, I mean, yeah. That, and, and here's the deal. And I you don't t- want you to just get a job. I want you to go get a job making 130 in that field. Yeah. And, and listen, uh, my version of waiting always involves acting. And so I, I would call their bluff on that, that that's going to mess with your security clearance. It makes zero sense to me. And uh, as Dave said, he's right. I will bet you that you have a, a chance at 2 to 3x long term, uh, certainly possible in the short term as an engineer. Go do that work. Don't wait. And there if they f- come calling, then you can answer. Yeah, I don't know what the percentage is, but just my walking around sense tells me that there are almost no government positions that pay as much as their mainstream counterpart. I would agree with that. I'd be shocked. If you if in accounting, if you're in accounting and you work for the government, you make 70%, 80% of what you would make in the open market as an accountant or less. And but I have security. Yeah, well, guess what? They can't seem to get the security clearance going. So, yeah, yeah I, I I mean, there's a few things in the government that are very specialized that actually could pay more, but they're so few and far between that they're not even part of the stereotype. Generally speaking, government employees are not paid what that's correct. their counterparts are in the market. Dave, I don't know if you picked up on this, but my gut, I got a little cynicism. That, that feels like a really polite brush off. Is what that it's like an excuse for a brush off. It makes no sense to me. It's not adding up. Doesn't pass the smell test. I would absolutely walk. You know, if it was private sector, I'd believe you. But you but really I think, think this is just straight up incompetence? <laughs> could be. Could be a week to a year. It seems like a very. Yeah, yeah I mean, large... we got this narrowed down. <laughs> I just yeah. find it to be absurd to say yeah. that to somebody. But but there. You well, go. I mean, again, it's not. They don't think anything about it. That that again. That's they don't not, that's, think. Do you want to be in? Like you said, do you want to work for somebody like that? But do you want to be in that kind of an environment where that's how they're going to treat people, you know, is uh, like a sloth. You know, it's like we're going to move very Yeah, like what is he supposed to do with that? (laughs) That's right. Jenna is in Rockford, Illinois. Hey, Jenna, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, how are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so my husband and I were debt-free except for our mortgage. Um, we paid off cars. We paid off student loans. We've been pretty aggressive on paying off our mortgage as well, uh, trying to hit for double the amount each month. Way to go. Um, we, yeah, thank you. We have about 59000 left to pay on our mortgage. Mm-hmm. But recently, a piece of property popped up on our radar that we're extremely interested in, Um it's a major fixer-upper, though, so it will take a lot of money to invest in. I'm, I'm probably thinking $100,000 just to get it up to code. Um, is it a good idea in this market right now to purchase this, or should we just stay where we're at comfortably paying off our current mortgage? How long have y'all been married? Uh, we've been married for 12 years. What's the uh, purchase price of the fixer-upper? Um, right now, it's listed for about three hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And it's so and bad our, that it needs a hundred thousand just to get it habitable. Yeah, and that's why we're talking the price down just to get it, you know, figured out. But um, we currently own a house that, in this current market, is selling for about two hundred and ninety to three hundred thousand itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other side is we also have four children, and so we have a very comfortable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I'm a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. um, so 
We're extremely comfortable, and I'm wondering if this is just going to be too much to take on, especially One of the, in this market. It, it, is, it is a lot to take on, and let me tell you how it becomes a disaster, okay? Um, it becomes a disaster if, A, you pay too much, and, B, you don't do a really good job of project managing this renovation. Because people that have never done this before, which is you, uh, have a tendency to end up doubling what they thought they were going to spend and tripling the time it was going to take for you to do the renovation. And so you cannot allow that to happen. The second thing that will destroy your life with that many kids and a 12-year marriage is to try to live in the house while you're renovating it. That will really take away any fun that this deal had. So that's when you end up with a dream that becomes a nightmare. So the way I always test myself is, am I, do I want this so badly that I'm willing to be uncomfortable for a little while? Here's what uncomfortable for a little while in your case looks like. Um, you get three detailed, in-depth bids on what it takes to fix this property. Okay including a schedule, a budget and a schedule from the contractor. And you check out their references and you look at that and you say, okay, this is what it's going to take because you have to manage contractors and you have to manage your own expectations. You can't make this crap up as you go. So you need to start the project with the end in mind. You need to have every detail combed out, every tangle combed out of the hair, every detail laid out before you even close on the property. Okay, we're going to say, ready, set, go. We've got all the dominoes lined up perfectly. We're going to push the end domino, and then I'm going to hold the contractor to the schedule and to the budget, and we're going to kick these doors down and get this done, okay, like fast, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, you got to sell your house and move into a rental because you need the money. Because you need yeah, the money. Well, we actually have both um, parents living here that have plenty of space for us to also. Okay, well, sell your house and move yeah. somewhere. And put the cash mm-hmm. in your pocket to do this work with. So you're doing it with cash, and you're going to get a little bit, a little bit of a mortgage, but you're doing it with cash. And then the third thing is, you have to get an appraisal of the property as if it was renovated, and then deduct all of the renovation costs from the current asking, or from that price to where it is below the current asking price. I suspect plus fifty thousand dollars for your trouble. And I don't think you're going to be able to get all three of these things to work in your comfort zone. So I don't think you're going to buy this. It's a, it's a pain in the butt. So here's a quick math refresher. There are only 24 hours in a day, so your business needs to streamline tasks that are time suckers and focus on activities that make money. So to reduce headaches as they scale, smart businesses use NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite helps you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform. So join the more than 37,000 smart businesses like Ramsey Solutions that have done the math and graduated to NetSuite. And right now you can download NetSuite's KPI checklist absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Ramsey. That's netsuite.com slash Ramsey. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. If you haven't heard, we're going to be in Chicagoland 
the northern section there. We'll be at the Willow Creek Church doing our Smart Conference event September 15th and 16th. And when I say we, I mean all the we's. Dave, Rachel, Cruz, John Deloney, Jade Washaw, George the new dad camel <laughs> and ken coleman we're going to be talking about mental health careers money oh just how to get your life together how to win in every area of your life the smart conference is friday night all day saturday september 15 and 16 dedicate a weekend to be focused and smart and uh, dial in on your goals with your money your mental health your career your relationships your motivation and information and inspiration will all be there. Smart Conference Weekend is our biggest event of the year. Tickets are starting at $99. There are limited ticket upgrades available that include some meet and greets. You ought to check all of those out. Go to RamseySolutions.com slash events. Go to Smart Conference September 15 and 16. Just a couple of weeks away, we'll be there in the land of Chicago. So looking forward to having you guys. Jeremy is with us in Atlanta. Hi, Jeremy. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, thanks a lot, Dave. Thanks for having me. Sure. What's up? Um, so, uh, long story short, I'm afraid to go into a full-time career in fear that I'll uh, make the wrong decision. Okay. What's the basing? Uh, what's the fear based on? Past experience or just something unknown? Um. Probably a little bit of both. I was in ministry for 12 years and um, stepped back uh, in the end of 2020 when we moved. And then um, just been working odd jobs ever since. Um, I started my own company just doing lawn care and pressure washing, but it's not really what, what I want to do other than just making some side money. Is there an opportunity right now in front of you? that you've got a chance to take and you're starting to waffle or what, or is this just considering the idea of now going back into something else? I think considering my wife works for a company and she's kind of presented me a couple of roles up there um, that are in ministry, um, which is what I was obviously working before and just kind of just afraid. You know, so what'd you drop out? This, this what is, caused you to, to, to dial back and drop out? Was it burnout? Was it a uh, toxic situation? What? There's something there that you're afraid of repeating. And the way you're saying it tells me that you've acknowledged that maybe you didn't uh, monitor things. Maybe you made some poor decisions. Tell me what specifically you're worried about repeating. Hmm. I guess. So I got out, we moved, um, once we adopted our son, got closer back to family. Uh, and, um, I just don't want to, I guess with, when the pandemic happened, I took on, on a lot of extra roles I hadn't anticipated mm-hmm. at the church and, um, the church I serve at now, I really like serving with them and I'm just fearful that. I don't know if I'm supposed to go back into ministry or just do something completely different. I did the get clear assessment on Sunday. Yeah. Um, just to try to kind of what get did it say? Yeah. Tell us, give me the results. Um, so the, it says I was created to use my talents of imagination, compassion, and communication to perform my passions of leading, performing and finishing to accomplish my mission of influence. All right. Well, let me tell you what that means. Okay. When you see that missional result, the results that motivate you, that's intrinsic. They just get you out of bed. That's a people situation. And when you talk about imagination uh, and the compassion piece, again, that's ideas and people. It's just screaming out. That's what you were created to do. 
And so whether it's in ministry or it's in the it's in the corporate world, as long as you are seeing that purpose statement that you just read briefly to us, that is a job description, high level. And so you've got to be using those tools to be doing work that you really love. And that performing piece, there's a pressure to that. That performing doesn't mean I've got to be an actor or a singer. It is, I need pressure to deliver. And I'm going to tell you, you need to be in the business, and I'm talking the work of delivering people results. You see your work creating influence or transformation. Does that square with your heart? Sounds like a ministry. Yeah, well. yeah. yeah, exactly. And right. and the job that my wife presented to me is a kind of a business and ministry. It's kind of two in one. Well, look at so, the job description. How old are you? 37. How long did you work in ministry? Uh, for 12 years. Who hurt you? Yeah. Um, Answer it. Thanks. No, uh, you know. You know, probably my the first pastor I worked for. Yeah. So it's not what you were doing, it's that you were doing it with the wrong people. Yeah. And you lost some of your confidence when you got your key, teeth kicked in. Which is, by the way, why you said yes to so many things at the second church or however long the journey that was. Not being able to say no is a function of fear. I'm afraid what people will say. I'm afraid what will happen to me if I put a boundary up. And it's also a function of not having priorities, clear priorities. I say yes to these things, and it makes it easier for me to say no to others. You sound like a very sweet guy who loves people and likes to lift and help people who's hiding from a, uh, a toxic situation behind a pressure washing wand and your wife is calling you out. Yes, that's absolutely correct. That's absolutely spot on. But here's the deal. You don't need our permission. Uh, what you need to do is decide, can I do ministry in a non-ministry job? And I want to well, say, can you, you do free. ministry in a ministry situation that's not toxic and learn to say no right? and learn to go, that's look, right. you don't talk to me that way. I'll go back to the pressure washer. Screw this. That's right. You know, I mean, just walk away, have a necessary ending. If you get into a bad situation, what you've got to believe in again is your ability and strength to walk away or stand up and put your hand out to say yeah. boundary time. Right. And when you believe in you enough to protect you, from crap happening to you again, you'll step back in and do what God's called you to do, my man. Because yeah. you're, a, you, I got a feeling you are an incredible uh, person on a platform. I got a feeling you've got some it factor. Uh, but but I, even your voice tone is telling me that something's scaring you. And um, I just I, I want to I want to speak courage over you, my yes. man. Yes, let me tell you something. I want to speak. You know, you need to be encouraged. Uh, let's speak over, speak some courage into this because you need to go be what God called you to do, and not let these stupid but human beings that are out there keep you from doing it. Jeremy, here's my encouragement to you: your fear of fading away needs to be far greater than your fear of getting back in the game. You hear mm-hmm. me? Because mm-hmm. you're fading away. You know it, and I know it. Your, Your wife, wife knows, knows it. And you know this, my friend. You've been called, and you better mm-hmm. do it. You better mm-hmm. listen to that voice. And I, I would be terrified of fading away and watching my soul seep out of my body while I'm power washing. 
I wonder if Jonah had a pressure washer. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you now, a pressure washer is tremendous therapy. I, I, I did it the other day. It. Don't you big, enjoy it? I got it? a big cut on my ankle because I shot myself in the foot with a thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. It is, a great, it is a great mindless place it to hide. It is. It's so and good. Because you feel like you're accomplishing something. It's it's so, I cleaned the dock and it didn't even need to be cleaned. Yes. It was so much fun. I did my front porch the other day yeah. and I was so proud of myself. So, yeah, Jeremy, listen, <laughs> there's so much potential inside yeah. you and everyone seeing it and you know it's down in there but the fear of uh whatever happened before happening again is is the thing that's it sounds to me like that's that you're and real quick dave i want you to go get it man i want you to go get it yeah hey jeremy i'm okay with you taking maybe this gig to get you it's a bridge let's get Mm -hmm. some momentum back while we're picking the next ministry position get some get some reps in where you ride the bike again without the training i agree it doesn't have to be right back into ministry is the point. Uh, but but let's let's move forward. Let's get out of what you're doing now. Let's get back in the game. Get that spine straight, chin yeah. up, looking forward, excited about the future, not stuck in the past. Yeah. Let me tell you that people said and did things during COVID that were the most fear-based, anger-based things I've seen in my entire 63 years on the planet. And so you cannot make any decisions, even about that person that was out of control and toxic during COVID, because they were so freaked out, they were so angry, they were so scared that they couldn't even, they they lost their dadgum minds. Some of y'all have forgotten that, but that really happened. And the result is scars on other people. This is the Ramsey Show. Fake it till you make it. It's popular career advice, but it doesn't work for very long. If you don't love what you do, you can't fake the enthusiasm and energy you need to win at work. You also can't fake your physical health and energy. Everybody knows we should eat more fruits and veggies, but fruit chews and veggie chips don't count. If you aren't winning physically, I promise you're limiting your opportunities to win professionally. Folks, I know you're going hard right now to pay off debt and get ahead professionally. You need another gear. And that's why Balance of Nature will help you. They help me. They give me the benefits of fresh, whole fruits and veggies in just seconds. The blend of 31 different fruits and veggies is powdered in an advanced process that locks in the nutrients. So go to balanceofnature.com and enter the promo code RAMSEY to get 35% off your first order and lock in a lifetime price as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com with the promo code RAMSEY for 35% off your first order. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us, America. It's a free call at 888-825-5225. Victoria is in Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Victoria. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. Good. What's up? So, essentially, this past May, I graduated college at 20, and now I'm in a Ph.D. program And my parents were very generous, and they said all of the money you earned in scholarships we're going to give to you at the end of your graduation, as long as you get good grades and you graduate, uh, which ended up being $100,000. Wow. Um, Way to go. So what are you getting your PhD in? Aerospace engineering. Very nice. What do you plan to do with that? Uh, I hope to work on future human space travel so what do space stations 
after the International Space Station looked like. Wow. I don't know much about that space in terms of the career side of it. Why does that require a PhD? Um, yeah, so I'm really interested in a lot of the like systems engineering work and a lot of advanced materials and advanced manufacturing work. How long will it take you to get the PhD? Yeah, so it's probably going to be about five years. Why? Most PhDs um, don't take that long. Because the program I'm in, they give us, they pay our tuition and they give us a stipend. Oh, you're working. Uh, Yes. Oh, my life just changed. She's getting paid to get this PhD. Yes, I am getting paid to get it. Now I'm going with the five years. How much do you make? Um, I make $2,500 a month, Um, so not much, but, you know, a stipend. Okay, and that's going to take you five years. I'm now, now I'm not as excited as I was a minute ago. I was, I thought, yeah. thought we had like a real job. You've got a, you've got an intern job. Okay. Yes. And but let's uh, uh, let's answer Dave's question, Victoria. Why does this PhD? I know you're interested in it, but does it set you up to do the thing you want to do to the point that if you don't get it, you're not qualified to do it? That's what we're trying to get at. Um, it is possible I could do it without it. But it would be a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, at minimum, likely need a master's. And the PhD program I'm in, I can master's out of, which I am considering. Okay. Um, Good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would like for you to master's out and get the big girl job and then work <laughs> on your PhD making while you're making 200 a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking, yeah, I but agree. I'm just, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. It's my problem. Okay. <laughs> because I don't know enough about your space, but that just, I, I, I worry about being overeducated and underpaid for anyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is a big fear. Of yeah. And, and so overall though, you've got an incredible brain, obviously, and you're obviously good at using it. Congratulations. And, um, I feel safer already from on my rocket ride, and um, yes. <laughs> that's not going to occur. But the uh, uh, so what what's your what are you going to do with a hundred thousand? That's what I'm calling you for. I'm really not <laughs> sure. I, I've kept my budget pretty low, and I'm living within my means on that stipend. I'm just not putting anything into savings, and so my thoughts are like. Do I just throw that a hundred K and like a five percent high interest savings? Yes. Or yes. Is that all I do? Yes, for right now, until we get the next steps on the career going. Because I want to make sure you uh, get all the educational tools in your belt to get the big girl career going. Yeah. And that hundred thousand is your insurance policy. Right now mm-hmm. you got a system that'll do it. Um, but you may masters out and take a job and then you may want to invest that more aggressively at that point, or someday you might get married and use it towards a house or something like that. Uh, all of that, or you might just be single and use it towards a house. Either one's fine with me. I don't care. But the, um, today you don't need to do any of that. It's, it's just going to be sitting there in a safe parking lot, making a little bit of money right now, uh, and not getting damaged. It's a protected parking lot which is what you're describing. That's what I would do because it's not going to change your life today. What's changing your life today is you uh, getting these tools in your belt. Mm -hmm. 
that's my thoughts. Yeah, and what I just wanted to make sure it seems like I got given this great gift, and do I just like lock it away for the next couple of years? Yeah, for a couple of years, but not for twenty. Yeah, for yeah. two. For when, two. When would you get out of the master's program? Is that a two-year deal? A year and a half. Yeah. I want to make sure you understand what we're trying to do is fast forward all of all of this financial opportunity that you're going to be really presented with. Get the master's, get a great gig. To your ability and your brightness, someone is going to pay for your PhD, and you do that as you go, and now you're earning a lot of money. You have zero debt. Now the 100000 comes into play as we invest, take care of those life issues. That is a beautiful plan as opposed to not making any money for five years at a $2,500 stipend. That's about 30, that's thirty grand in stipend, and that really holds you back. And I haven't ever asked Dr. John Deloney about this. He's the only person around here that's got two PhDs that I'm aware of. <laughs> yeah. But um, to me, um, I'm Mr. Experience guy. More yeah. than, I mean, I've gotten a lot of my knowledge that way. Right. Um, and you know, in the open market reading and, you know, taking courses and things, but not, um, formal academic at that level. Um, to me, getting your PhD while having some life experience would probably put color on the PhD that is different than doing it in a vacuum, yeah, in an academic vacuum. Yeah. Um, like for instance, I met a, a pastor earlier in the summer, we were traveling and got to spend some time with him and he was at the end of his career. He was retiring mm-hmm. and he had just finished his PhD and, um, he started telling me the subject of it and I was enthralled. We, we ended up getting his dissertation out and reading through it. It oh, was wow. really, but it was a, the PhD was not a, uh, it was not a career advancement thing. It was a, mm-hmm. a you know, it was almost a, the dissertation on his life. Yeah. It was on his PhD almost, and, yeah. and it was beautiful. It was absolutely – the color was depth, deep on it, though, mm-hmm. very vibrant. And so it was a valuable, valuable process. And so uh, uh, not in – he'll never make the money. That's not what I mean. Right. But because uh, he's retiring as a pastor, mm-hmm. and his, you know, his, right. his PhD was in divinity. So, you know, uh, doctorate in divinity. But the uh, – oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, yeah. That, in this case – That might – you know, while you're working in a rocket company, yes. working on – the problems you want to work on with your master's, working yep. on your PhD, it's going to change the flavor of the PhD. It That's will, what I'm saying. Without question. And she's right. I don't, again, I don't know much about aerospace, but a lot of your astronauts, she wasn't saying she's going to necessarily be an astronaut, but the PhD is probably commonplace, but she doesn't have to have it at 20. She doesn't have to have it at 25. And, and so she'll get there. And so that's why we gave that advice. It will probably come in very, very handy to that level of work, but doesn't have to be gotten right away. And in return, Dave, she's going to be a millionaire. She's going to be a millionaire in her 30s. If she, mm-hmm. if she, she invests well, she has no debt. Mm-hmm. She's clearly bright. She's going to have all kinds of opportunities. She's living on less than she makes. Already. Yeah. She's living on the stipend. So yeah. this is a bright person here who, who's got a bright future. So yeah. we yeah. want to maximize that for Victoria. So it's a good time with the student loan stuff coming up to remind you guys, you know, your student loans, the interest starts back uh, this coming Friday. Yes. And the payments start back a a month later, October 1. Uh, It's a good time to remind everyone out there that um, you have to be smart about education. That's right. Spending $250,000 to get a master's degree in sociology so you can make $38,000 a year with the state as a caseworker is dumb. That's right. So don't be dumb about right. education. Isn't that, a, isn't that a great yeah, paradox, how yeah. dumb we are about education? Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's very sad. And we've got now 
uh, you know, 40 million people that have payments that are due right now. That's correct. And some of them got useless degrees yep. in useless fields from useless universities. Uh, and but that but and then people say, well, they're all useless. No, they're not all useless. That's right. Some some of these degrees are fabulous, very useful. Um, yeah, it's amazing, very amazing. Good times, folks. This is the Ramsey Show. Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios, it's the Ramsey Show. Well, we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of the book, Paycheck to Purpose, and uh, host of the Ken Coleman Show, where he talks about your job, your career, you making money doing something you love, and a lot of it. A lot of what you love and a lot of money. He's here to help. The phone number is 888-825-5225. Amanda is with us. She is in Gulfport, Mississippi. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, y'all. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Okay. My husband and I, we are 34 and have three kids. We have about 70000 in debt, and we're starting baby step two. So I'm trying to figure out you know, what we can leverage to get this paid off. Okay. The question was, we have a Roth IRA worth um, $20,000 that we opened about six years ago. And my husband opened it through Fidelity, I think, I don't know, before Dave Ramsey. Um, anyways, what would be the consequences of us cashing that out? Is that something you recommend? Or do you Never recommend that. No. Okay. Uh, you're taxed. You had a 10% penalty, and you're taxed at your tax rate on the amount of growth in the case of a Roth that's there. So... And I suspect most of that is growth, actually. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you're going to, it's like borrowing money at 30 or 40% interest. So, we would never do that. Okay. No. Yeah, so, that, that's, that's, that's actually a not a shortcut. It's a shortcut, but it's a shortcut that costs you so much okay. it's not worth it. So, um, th- that's not the plan. So, what's your household income? Um, we gross about 120000 a year. Cool. How much of the 70 is your car payment? Um, I own my vehicle. My husband's 2022 truck is worth 3000 I mean, 30000 So he has about a $600 note. Yeah, and so there's 30000 owed on the truck? Yes. Okay. All right. There's your shortcut if you want one. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I think she may have folded that idea she can't once before. Breathe. No. <laughs> I've already thrown that out there. How did yeah. he respond? Well, it's a new to him truck. This was in our, you know, our stupid days. Yeah, and about yeah. a year ago, we yeah. did this. And, I know. Um, How did I'm he respond? I think I know, but I'm just curious. How did he respond? Well, this this was a present for getting his master's and getting a big boy job. And so typical middle class stupid. That's what we did. Um, he. How he did, did he like respond <laughs> to selling very it as classic, an idea? Very he does not like it. Uh, we okay. knew that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> mm. yeah. So here's the uh, thing. Here, here's the thing. My, I, I, a great guy that I used to listen to when I was a youngster, one of the fathers of motivation and success literature is a guy named Earl Nightingale. He's since passed away. And he used to say that when we have a goal, the things we're willing to do to hit the goal are not what's are not as important as the things we are willing to give up to hit the okay. goal. 
So be, you, on that. <laughs> yeah, you can be willing to do a lot of things to hit a goal. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm willing to work out. I'm willing to run in order to lose weight, but I'm not willing to give up chocolate cake, you know? Yeah. And so that, that's the hard part of the goal. Now it, it doesn't mean you can't ever hit the goal. It just makes it more difficult to hit the goal. So if the goal is owning a truck, that goal is competing with the goal of being debt free. Okay. And, Same thing um, for any other asset we own. Yeah. And, and it's true for almost anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, you know, now I, I've had people call in and say, you know, I have a diamond ring that was my engagement ring. That's worth $10,000. Should I sell that? No, you can't get another one of those. There's only one. Mm-hmm. Can you get another truck? Oh crap. They're on every corner. You get another mm-hmm. truck when you're not broke. Now, can you do this without that? Okay. Here's what it takes, right? $35,000 a year. $3,000 a month for two years, which on 120,000 means you guys are living on beans and rice, rice and beans. You don't see the inside of a restaurant. You're not going on vacation. You're living on a tight budget. You and your husband are both so committed to this that your fingernails are bleeding. You are fighting, mm-hmm. scratching, clawing, taking every, you sold so much stuff. The kids think they're next and you can pay off $70,000 in two years and keep the truck. Okay. But you can't half butt do any of those things and get there and keep the yeah. truck. So Okay. He's an all or nothing kind of guy, so I just need to get him all in, right? Yeah. He's got to be all in. You cannot mm-hmm. there's you cannot wander out of seventy thousand dollars worth of debt. You have to go like so angry at the whole situation that anybody that gets in my way is in trouble. You follow me. I mean it's like ah you know. We're getting out and, but you're doing it together. You're not yelling at each other. I don't mean that we're yelling at the debt. We're yelling at the, the former version of me that was stupid. Okay. I'm not going to do this anymore. And this is how I got out. This is how we've let other people out over the years. So that's what you got to do. And it's almost as if the truck and you could keep the truck. If you do all the other stuff I'm talking about, that's fine. And I'm, and it doesn't violate our rules actually, but you were looking for, you know, kind of a shortcut with the Roth and no, that one doesn't make sense. Keeping the truck. Yeah. 50, 50. If you do all the other stuff, if you don't do all the other stuff, it's almost as if the truck is in front of your husband as a test Mm -hmm. to say, all right, we're going to do all this other stuff. And if it doesn't work, I'll even sell the truck, but let's try all the other stuff first. See if we can keep the truck. Mm. But until he puts the truck on the table as an offering, puts it on the altar as an offering, then, um, you know, that's a test of his commitment. Yeah. Otherwise we know he's more committed to driving that truck than he has been out of debt. Yeah. Our friend, John Maxwell probably stole this idea from Nightingale, but he says it so well. He says, what are you willing to give up to go up? And that's what you were saying. And, you know, at this point it's like, do I care more about how the truck makes me feel or do I care more about how the debt makes me feel? And that's the thing about this, you know, when people say stuff, they tell us when we meet them and they've gone through financial peace university and they've paid off, you know, $70,000 worth of debt in two years. They say, you changed my life. I didn't change their life. They changed their life, but Ramsey didn't change their life. They changed their life. Mm-hmm. Ken didn't change their life. That's correct. When they, when they say, you, you know, you changed my career in order to go through the transformational process to get out of debt, the transformational process to get a different career, you have to go through transformation. That's right. 
And that's it's it's not the seventy thousand that's going to completely set you up for winning. It's who you become the other side of it. That's correct. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And so when you you know the person you have to the couple the quality of relationship, the um, the the respect you have for each other, that you have to go through to get to the other side of this is the real treasure. Mm-hmm. It's not the debt free. That's correct. And, and it will cause you to go on to build wealth. It'll cause you to raise better kids. It'll cause you everything because it makes you two into a much stronger couple, stronger as individuals, confident, competent. You know, you have to transform. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed mm-hmm. by the renewing of your mind. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, folks, Dave Ramsey here. There are moments in life we don't want to forget, like your kid's graduation or the once-in-a-lifetime trip. For the big moments, the everyday moments, and everything in between, every dollar is there to help you budget for all of it. It's the simple budgeting app that helps you plan, save, and spend for the important things. Budget for the life you really want every moment of it. Download the app or check the link in the show notes to create your free account today. Every dollar. Ken Coleman Ramsey personality is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Dustin is in Columbus, Ohio. Hi, Dustin. Welcome to the Ramsey show. Thank you for having me. Sure. What's up? Um, so me and my wife are currently 25. Um, we have just taken in the, uh, some student loans uh, that we're kind of like feeling a little uneasy about that is just now hitting uh, about $60,000 uh, in student loans. Uh, as we just you had a just took well. them in. What does that mean? But, it's not a stray like, dog. How, what are you talking about? <laughs> like we, uh, from Biden's plan that he had originally had, so we're just now getting to them about the, uh, debt loan forgiveness, all that stuff. So now that it's finally coming in, we're like, oh, we have $60,000 in student loan debt. Okay, you always had so, it. Yeah, we were not paying on it. Yeah, if, if for three years. Yeah. It. yeah, okay. Yep, yep. I so got we you. Were, so we were not paying so on it. So now it's coming Now it's coming down on you. Okay, I got you. All right, I'm with you. Yep, correct. Um, as well as we have $50,000 in uh, auto loans. So now, as well as we just had a, a kid. Yeah, so kind of sitting back. Yep, yep. What's your so household income, sir? Back. Uh, we each make about eighty thousand dollars a year. So one hundred sixty thousand a year. All right, yep. and you have one hundred ten thousand dollars in debt. Correct. And you just had a baby. Is the baby okay? Oh, yep, baby's healthy as can be. Wonderful. Okay, so you guys um, are going to get to spend a lot of time with the baby. You're not going anywhere. Uh, All you're going to do is work and be with the kid because you're going to live on nothing and pay this off in 18 months. Okay. Tell me about the cars, the 50,000 in car debt. Um, So she was a travel nurse about a couple years, like probably two years ago. So we were making a good bit of money and we both decided to go get new vehicles and then decided that we wanted to have a kid. So she stopped traveling and got, uh, a better nurse job. So right, now so we're like, what do you owe? What are the two cars? You, you owe fifty k on. Uh, break them down. We have we have a Ford F one fifty Lariat. We owe about twenty three thousand on, and then a twenty nineteen Jeep Grand Cherokee that we owe about twenty seven thousand on. Okay, are you upside down or you got any equity in them? 
the Ford, uh, I could probably get about 30 out of it. Uh, and then the Jeep, uh, probably out of what we owe. Well, I'll tell you, my friend, I'm guessing the F-150 is yours, right? It is. Well, since Dave and disestablished you're not going anywhere, you don't need an F-150 that's super, you know, juiced up. I'd sell that F-150 today. What's your car payment? Okay. What's your car payment on that? Uh, about 481. We bought them when interest rates were really low. Yeah, but that's a $481 raise by being a big boy and selling that truck. Okay. Do I get another vehicle? <laughs> yeah, you got $7,000 one. Go get you a $7,000 car. Okay. You have a baby, you're a man. Yeah. You have a family <laughs> to take wrong. care of. Yeah. So, okay. um now then, here here's the thing. Here's the thing, $160,000 income, $110,000 worth of debt. The difference yeah. is 50000 So not counting taxes, which we have to count, if you lived on $50,000, you would be debt-free in one year. But you guys have been okay. spending like you're in Congress. Yeah. And the student loan yeah, thing is your wake-up call to live on Beans and rice, rice and beans, ramen noodles, never go out to eat, never go on vacation, and possibly sell your truck so that you can get out of debt in one to one and a half years. Okay. But if now, you, we have 27000 in savings. Does, like, that will help. That to That'll pay help. It off? That'll make it go faster. Mm-hmm. That'll make you it go faster. pay it off and then just have nothing. In, like, that's where I've. I like a padded savings, so it hurts me to spend it. So I don't. Well, it didn't hurt you to go fifty thousand dollars in car debt. Yeah. That's when you spent it. You already spent it. You just hadn't admitted it yet. Yeah. Are you familiar with our baby steps? Uh, I am. I haven't started it. I've just been okay. listening That's on and right. off for about a year. And so I'm just, baby I step one about the vehicle. Well, it's okay. Uh, but get over the guilt and fix it. So baby step one is $1,000. So that gives you 26, 1,000 in your savings account as an emergency fund. Now you got 26. You guys can knock out that Jeep Grand Cherokee. List your debts, smallest to largest. How many different student loans are there? Um, There's two. Only two. What what size are they? Uh, They're each 30,000 a piece. Okay, so that's the two. That's the big one. So when you list your debt, smallest to largest, it goes 23, 27, 30, 30. You follow me? Yeah. We're yep. going to pay minimum payments on everything but the little one and attack the little one. So we're going to pay off her car tonight. And then you're going to decide if you're going to keep your car. If you're going to keep it, you're going to start paying on it like a crazy man. Like I'm talking, you're going to set aside eh, $8,000 a month for debt. Okay. And when you pay $8,000 a month on 27, it goes away pretty quick. $8,000 a month on 30, it goes away pretty quick. Oh, and by the way, you don't even car payments anymore, so it makes it easier to come up with $8,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. $8,000 a month is $100,000 a year. Okay. And, and that, ma- that, that makes don't. you debt free in a year. Okay. But you're, but you, to do that, you understand you have to have no life. Yeah. But that's okay. For one year, you can do that. You're young, and you're going to clean up your mess, and you have a new baby, and you have an incredibly bright future. You have great careers. That's it. Yeah. Okay. 
Now we and I should sell my truck, not pay my truck off. And then either one, I don't care. But I think you need to consider. I think it would be a good emotional and spiritual exercise for you and your wife to discuss selling your truck tonight after you pay hers off. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and then, then you buy got, a cheaper one. Yeah. Yep. Well, you, you can decide. Uh, you know, because here's the only thing it does. It cuts down the amount of time you have to live on absolutely nothing and have no life. <laughs> okay. Which right now is about a year. Okay. Now, as soon as you have no debt at all, then you're going to build your emergency fund up and have that comfort again of three to six months of expenses set aside. That's your baby step three. We're going to help you with all this because I've been right where you are, Dustin. We're, I, I've done stupid things, and I had a baby, and I didn't know what to do, and there wasn't anybody to help me and tell me, and we're here to help you. So we're, t- we're talking real straight to you and telling you the truth because we love you. But, that, but we're here to help you. So we're going to put you guys into Financial Peace University, and we're going to pay for it. Okay, and you guys, it's a gift to your baby. You're going to change your whole family tree, young man. But you two as adults now are going to throw your shoulders back and quit buying everything in sight like you're spoiled kids and be adults. Mm. Adults devise a plan and follow it. Children do what feels good. And so you're not going to do what feels good. You're going to do what's right, what's smart for the future. So the 30 and 40 and 50 year old version of you two looks back and says, wow. See, Dustin, the year I filed bankruptcy, I was 28 years old. Rachel was born. And from then on, I've never borrowed another dime. From then on, I've tithed at my church every single week, one-tenth of my income. From then on, I've been on a budget for the rest of my life. From then on, I don't buy anything unless I pay cash for it. From then on, because I said never again. And the, the, the negative thing was I lost everything I owned. The good news was it completely changed my life. And you got the opportunity to do it without losing everything. It's called growing up. And we all get to do it. Some people do it at 52. Some do it at 22. In my case, it was 28 with the second kid coming the year I filed bankruptcy. So you don't have to do that. You don't have to be as dumb as I was. We'll help you, dude. We'll help you. You got this. You can do it. And by the way, the straight talk at dinner tonight when we talk about the cars is I'd float the idea of her doing a few nights or weekends with that nursing background while you're watching baby because you're not going anywhere anyway and all of a sudden we've increased our income to fast forward what Dave has already laid out so we can beat this in a year but it is going to take big boy pants and big girl pants that's for sure sacrifice sacrifice your lifestyle lay your lifestyle down and just put it just shoot it just just shoot it live like a college student This is The Ramsey Show. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, it's Dr. John Deloney, and one of the most common questions I get is how to get something off your chest. A deep secret you've never told anyone, or maybe something that happened to you, something you've done that you're worried about because bringing it to light will disrupt your life, anything. I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's hard to know where to start when it comes to talking about scary, dark things. Therapy can be a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I've personally been blessed to have a great therapist who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's flexible because it's online, so you can suit it to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host. Our question of the day is brought to you by Neighborly, your hub for home services. Neighborly has 19 service brands nationwide and a network of local service pros. Molly Made, Mr. Rooter Plumbing, and Five Star Painting, just to name a few. Visit Neighborly.com to find available service providers near you. Our question today comes from Corey in Tennessee. I've been a a vocational instructor at my current job for 20 years. They aren't interested in learning anything on any level. The students are very disrespectful. The bad behavior is encouraged by decision makers. I have also worked at my church with young people for 19 plus years, and I'm honestly burned out on kids. I need to work, but I don't have much debt, but I do have some. I just don't want to earn pay being disrespected on a daily basis and seeing the toxic behavior encouraged. The state of Tennessee uh, my job in the state of Tennessee uh, requires retirement at 25 years. Uh, excuse me, I messed that up. It, the, my state of Tennessee job for retirement is 25 years at 55 years of age or 30 years of service. I'll only be 49 if I stay for 30 years. So I don't know how that will pay out. I think I can do better and start making more money. I'm con- con- uh, currently thinking about pursuing CDLs. To start a driving career, what do you think? Should I quit my job? I couldn't even get through it because you need to leave, my man. Uh, Now, don't leave without moving into something. But there's no question. You are not in an environment that you have any control over to actually change. Uh, when When you put yourself in an environment like this that is very institutionalized and very systemic as it relates to government leadership, you're not going to be able to change it. So quit banging your head against the wall. Uh, I love the idea of moving into something else. Let's get qualified for it, and then let's move on. Because financially, you don't have the margin, and you've got debt you got to pay off. So let's stay in the role. Let's get a couple part-time gigs if you can do it. If nothing else, just to get some relief from this current day job that's just beating the snot out of you. Yeah. Cool. But let's move on to something else, and as quickly as possible. So um, quit working with youth at the church today. (laughs) That's easy. That's a non, that's a no brainer. Uh, they don't need you because you don't like it and they can tell. Yeah. And so can the kids, right? Yeah. So it's good for the kids for you to quit. It's good for you to quit. So that, that's one incremental thing. It sounds like you actually like teaching. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where CDL came from. That sounds like Something flew in midnight cable TV or something. I don't know. That just sounds bizarre. Uh, you know what it is? It's like sitting behind it's a an big escape. Old, it's right. It's I don't escape. have to talk to young people. I don't have to, I talk, have to talk to, to anybody. anybody. Yeah. And I'm in a big truck, so nobody can make me mad. You know. That's I mean, right. it's, oh my god. No, I don't think that's. Um, I don't think that's a career choice. I think that's just you're running away. Sure. And so, um, yeah, I, I think you need to go take Ken Coleman's career assessment. And figure out, I mean, it's like $20 or $30 at our website at Ramsey Solutions, okay? Figure out some things you need to do. And then you need to, you don't need to run from something. You need to move to something. And the CDL is just you running from something. But you have, um, you have five weeks to, I'm making this up, to select something to start moving towards. And then I'm going to give you four months to move towards it. So you need to be out of the church teaching business by the end of the day today. Mm -hmm. 
and you need to be out of the state teaching business by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't is, give yourself some deadlines, you'll bathe in the sewage. Yes, because you're comfortable with what you know versus what you don't know. And, the and devil I, I know. And I think, Dave, you make a very good point. There, there was a season of life where you were excited about being an instructor and a guide. And uh, to the extent that you might be able to move to another state agency where you are in training, uh, that is still the heart of instruction, of guiding people. And so look in you know, where you've got relationships, because this is a government job. Certainly kick the tires on that, as long as well, you're training, instructing. I, I enjoy teaching. You do, absolutely. But I refuse at my at, at, at early in my career, I refuse, but I really refuse now to be trying to teach someone that's there against their will. Correct. So if someone wants me to come speak to their organization and the people in their organization are there against their will, I'm not willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm not willing to go speak to a bunch of people that vehemently disagree with me mm-hmm. and my job is to be there to piss everybody off. <laughs> No, thank you. Yeah, I've got other things to do. I'm there. Oof. I want to talk to people that I can actually help. That's right. And move the needle for. So, you know that that's just human nature. You don't want to wait, bang your head against the wall. It's just silly. Mm. So, yeah, you you need to be teaching. Probably, I think you'll find that if you take the assessment. Yep, aren't you? I think he'll probably see the result of influence, which is very people focused work, and uh, probably see communication there. Uh, instruction. You'll see those themes. So uh, go get that. RamseySolutions.com is the Get Clear Assessment. And uh, for anybody thinking about that, how do I take those results and put it into a real-time job? Very simple. You take that purpose statement, which is a wonderful gift that we give you there as a result of all of your other detailed reports, and you begin to say, this is what a job description looks like where I am on purpose. I am there doing something that makes a lot of sense to me because I'm good at it. I enjoy it. And the results fire me up. That's what you're looking for. And in this case, he wants to engage with humans who want to learn something in order to be able to do something. I've got a friend that was a classroom teacher and got burn up, burn out and beat up mm-hmm. and was done with it. And, um, so she went on to another career and, and, you know, some corporate training and things where she actually enjoyed it. But instead of doing the ministry thing at, at church, she is teaching um, the uh, U.S. Um, citizenship course. Oh, fantastic. And it, she said is the most inspiring. Oh, I'm sure. And, I mean, these people know more about American history than we do. Sadly. Uh, these folks trying to become citizens. And, uh, man, right. it's it, she said they're – English is you know second language almost the same course you know you're teaching that way oh my he she said it's just she's so excited to go down and and by the way they don't even pay her she goes for free wow you know it's just incredible Mm. so yeah that's a side thing or ministry thing and um so yeah if you get in the right situation where people are begging to learn oh and you're a teacher, oh, it's just about the most fun you can ever have. It's just chocolate chip cookies straight out of the it's other, true. man. It reminds me of the first time Stacy and I taught Financial Peace University. We were in Atlanta, and we had several young couples we were all working with, and they were struggling. They said, hey, you know this Dave Ramsey guy? Stacey's like, yeah, I work for him. And uh, they said, will you teach us? And we were like, of course. And so we put a class together, and the first week we walked in the room, and we could see the light in their eyes. Yeah. They were like, help us. Sitting on the edge of their seat. And that, and we didn't even teach. We're, we we just press play on the on the tape, and that's, you did the teaching. But, but that's the opposite of Corey. He, he's yeah. not got people sitting on the edge of their seat they unless they're be trying there. to leave the room. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah, crazy. So it, that's crazy. tough stuff. 
Tough stuff. That is very hard. But very good advice, by the way, in pivoting, right, to, okay, wait a second. I love instructing, and so it's not instruction I need to get rid of. It is changing my environment, where I'm instructing, and who I'm instructing. But I learned this from you, listening to you, Coach, on the Coleman Show. Um, It's an amazing number of times that someone thinks they hate what they do, Mm -hmm. and they've because they've confused (laughs) what they hate, where they do it, and who they do it with. Yeah, they're doing the right thing in the wrong place. With the wrong people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for yeah. sure. Toxic people. For sure. Toxic environment, mm-hmm. toxic culture, right. but doing the right thing. And That's then right. they go, well, I'm burnt out on teaching. No, you're not. No, not you're at all. You're burnt out on hanging out with stupid people. That's right. Well, you know, Dave, I shared this yesterday uh, on the show. Uh, we have a shortage of teachers, public school teachers in America. This is a big-time problem. And the reason is is because the environment has gotten so awful that these teachers who signed up to instruct to guide the future generation, they're walking away. Well, they don't want to deal with all the woke stuff. That's they the, they want to teach history. That's right. I don't want to teach yeah. gender reform. They don't want to get whatever. screamed at when they give a kid yeah. a bad grade because the parent can't handle it. Yeah, and There's then they a got lot of junk going teachers on. Teachers' unions, no no help. That's correct. And the helicopter parents are coming in. And there you, it is. I don't know, Ken. Did you know this? Did you know where snowflakes come from? No. Helicopters. <laughs> Think about it, folks. It'll come to you. That's good. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, folks. Dave Ramsey here. There are moments in life we don't want to forget, like your kid's graduation or the once-in-a-lifetime trip. For the big moments, the everyday moments, and everything in between, every dollar is there to help you budget for all of it. It's the simple budgeting app that helps you plan, save, and spend for the important things. Budget for the life you really want. Every moment of it. Download the app or check the link in the show notes to create your free account today. Every dollar. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Jake is with us in Nashville. Hi, Jake. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure. What's up? Well, I'm going through a major midlife crisis and so i hope you guys don't beat up on me too bad how old are you i'm uh, 35 okay and tell, tell, um, tell us about it yeah so i i went and hit a reset button kind of on my life um with what i do for a living and also where i live um i guess before i dive into that um I, let me give you just a quick overview of our finances um so we have a good budget i'm married i have three kids uh, we're in a suburb of nashville um, we've got our emergency fund of six months. Uh, we've got low living expenses. We got about 32,000 in a 401k. Um, I make about 130,000 salary. And then, um, last couple of years I started doing side hustling and I ramped that up to about 120,000 a year, uh, doing HTML development. Uh, it's kind of a niche and high demand. Do, doing um, what? HTML. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we owe uh, about 100000 on our home. It's worth about 600000 We've been pretty aggressively kind of trying to pay it down. Uh, it's 2% interest rate, and um, we prepaid it two and a half years just to give us a buffer. So we don't owe anything on it till uh, March 2026. Um, we have a $100,000 HELOC loan um, that we used to buy a second piece of property out in McMinnville, which you guys might know that area. Okay, I'll catch up with you in a minute on the rest of it. What's your question? Yeah. So my two questions are, um, so, so basically I'm doing work that I just don't like doing anymore. I'm Your day job or the HTML? 
Uh, it's the same. The side hustle is the same. Um, so it's all, you don't it's like programming same. anymore. No, I, I, I was raised on construction. I got a blue collar heart. You know, I love being outdoors, love the sun, love getting concrete and paint on me. So know? what would you reset to? You said you're considering a reset. What would that reset look like work-wise? You know, so I've been doing this for 10 years, and so I don't even know yet. I, I'd love to do something entrepreneurial or um, or something more blue-collar. You just told us what you want to do. I think you got a couple of ideas, but you're either looking for permission or confirmation, one of the two, maybe both. So yeah, what are you I, thinking I about? Just, what are you really thinking just, about? I guess it's just hard to leave a, a good income. What are you thinking with, about doing? Blue-collar, oh, with your hands, what do you want to do? <laughs> I'd love to do landscape design. I'd love to do landscape architecture, but it's not a high-paying career field. But yes, it is. It. Oh, my goodness. That's not true. I guess when you start at the bottom of the totem pole, you're not going to make anything. <laughs> right, but who says you have to start at the bottom of the totem pole? I'm talking to a guy. I wasn't doing totem making poles. I was doing landscaping. Yeah, but you're making 120 for yourself in HTML, so you can keep doing that while you get the landscape thing going. You don't have to go down to nothing. It's a false narrative. To do both? Sure. You do both now. You have a full-time job plus a job. Right. Yeah. So, so just quit your day job and go do landscape architect. But, dude, that, you don't have to start making $20,000 a year doing this. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you've yeah, got all this life experience, so why don't you start poking around about what it takes to be a high-end landscape architect that makes $250,000 a year? Okay. What's yeah, the I mean, process to do that? And I don't think it's a 15-year process. It's not. You need to start hanging out with some successful landscape architects in Nashville. And high end, find some high-end builders and find out what they're paying and what their customers are paying. Yep. What was their journey? How long did it take them to get there? So you're operating in a vacuum right now, and when we operate in a vacuum of the unknown, we get terrified because we don't have answers. you got to go get answers. Then you go, oh, I'm looking at a five-year journey. I'm looking at a three-year journey. Whatever it ends up being, i got to get this qualification. That's going to cost me this much. It's going to take me this long. The great news is, is you guys are in a pretty good financial situation, and you can make this happen. Jake, Ken and I have talked about this a lot, and I don't know what it is, but it seems to be human nature that people, when they uh, – you know, you started into programming at some point because you enjoyed it. When the joy started leaving that and you were making good money, there's an emotional handcuffs that people automatically assume. I don't know why we do this, but it's human nature that the next job, that if I'm doing a job I love, I must get paid less. Like you must be punished for liking what you do. But that's not true. You can make more money ultimately doing what you love. I'll give you an example. Okay. I was buying and selling real estate again, or, or helping people find foreclosure real estate and making deals. And after my bankruptcy, I'm 28 years old. I was up to 30 years old, 31 years old. At that time, that's uh, 1991. I was making $120,000 a year. Okay. In 1991, doing that. I felt like that God had his hand on us to teach people how to get out of debt, live on a budget, and become wealthy and unbelievably generous, showing God's ways of handling money. I started putting together the pieces of that, and after a year of working on it, we figured out that we could quit our doing real estate and work on financial peace stuff 
full time, but we would probably only make 60,000 the first year, but we could see how we could make millions. So first year I made 62,000. The next year I made 140,000. The next year I made 240,000 and I've never looked back. So it doesn't, you may have to take a temporary step back, but this idea that you must make less throughout your life to do, to have joy is ridiculous. That's right. Simple questions, Jake. What do I need to learn? That's the certification process. That's also sitting with successful landscape architects to figure out what the journey is. Now we've got some wisdom, not just knowledge. That's what I need to learn. And then how do I get about doing it? What do I need to do? What do I need to learn? What do I need to do? When you get the answers to those questions, it's not so scary. And again, you've got great side income right now. Uh, and, and I want you to get rid of that HELOC, by the way. Let's get rid of that yeah. and, and, and work the, the baby steps to do that, turn it into the snowball. That is it. And, and just move forward with confidence. Now he's talking about moving as well, and you may want to move. That's okay. You may want to, sure. So, so I'll move to something cheap. Listen, if you take your day job of 120 and you get rid of it and you move into a landscape thing and you only make 60000 the first year, yeah. then the next year you make 120. And the next year you make two forty and you quit the side gig. That's a three year plan. Yeah, and, and he'll be thrilled. And you know, and you're not stuck. No. And you, yes, you should do this. <laughs> you absolutely should do it. You got to honor that. By the way, it's very interesting, Dave. You and I've done this uh, different ways, but you know, he, I've never had somebody call in and go, oh, "I'm not sure." And then when I push him and you go, what are you thinking about? Then he spits it out. He's been thinking about it, but it's, again, it's that permission thing to say, wait a second, I can change, I can leave a job doing HTML, making really good money, and I can go do something that's completely different, blue collar, to use his but phrase. But you don't have permission to assume that you're going to make less. Correct. Let's go get I answers. I remove the permission for that. <laughs> you, you need go. to assume you're going to make more. We've taken that away. Because you're going to be good yeah. at it, and you're going to choose your clientele that has money. We're not doing landscape uh, architecture for poor people. We're going to do landscape architecture for rich people who give us big, juicy checks yep. for putting their bushes in the right place on their house. Oh, my God. Come on. That's Seriously. Right. You it. can do this. And, and you don't have to dig all the holes in order to be gratified. That's silly. So you can do this. You yep. can absolutely do this. Landscape architects in an area like Nashville and, and it can do very, very well. You're talking about you can be a solopreneur or you can build a nice company with all of the building, and you know real estate better than I do. Oh, yeah. You do quite well around here. Very good. Well, I mean, it, you take a commercial building like this, what we paid the guy to do that. Gee. Well, I tell you what. That's serious, man. <laughs> Here's something I would encourage people with. You feel stuck, but you're not stuck. What happens is, is you've chosen to stay put because you're afraid that something bad will happen if you move forward or you don't believe that something good will happen. That's just good old-fashioned fear and doubt, Dave. And you're not stuck. You've just said, I'd rather stay still than deal with confronting those two false narratives. That's how it's done, boys and girls. This is The Ramsey Show. Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Thank you for joining us, America. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host, Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of the book, Paycheck to Purpose, and host of the Ken Coleman Show, where he talks about work and careers, is my co-host. Open phones at 888 
825-5225. Email comes across, or this article comes across our producer's desk, and he said we need to make a comment or two on this. A Bloomberg survey of a top of 1,000 of the top 10% of U.S. earners turns heads this week uh, because a quarter of the respondents, all making 175000 a year, identified as either very poor or poor or getting by but things are tight. Over half of those surveys dubbed the regular rich said they worry about money. The objectively wealthy grappling with being subjectively poor provides quite the snapshot of this moment in American history. It captures how the increased cost of everything, from cars to tuition to groceries, makes it harder to build wealth. How rising generations are failing to attain their parents' financial security and how social media impacts perception, fueling lifestyle comparisons while making the ultra wealthy class more visible but even for the comfortable the goalposts keep moving there are always the joneses to keep up with take the latest trend on super yachts for instance don't have your own submersible on board well you're practically a peasant this is gobbledygook this is nonsense the objective wealthy grappling has pointed out that the increased cost of everything is the problem. There's no mention in here of rising credit card debt. There's no mention of what the average car payment is. This is highlighting we have more and more people who just aren't willing to be patient. I like to get behind the problem of the problem of the problem, and this is just highlighting that people are griping about making $175,000 a year. Inflation sucks, Dave. I got two teenage boys, and yeah, my grocery bill's gone up to feed those guys. They yeah. eat a lot of food, but I have margin, and if I don't have margin, I can make margin. This yeah. kind of stuff makes me so angry. Daveonomics inside my household mm-hmm. trumps Bidenomics of course, outside my household. I like that. I can control what's inside my walls enough to where if Biden screws up the economy, hint, hint, then I can still be okay, hint, hint, right? Yeah. So, no, we're not going to increase – the increased cost of everything did not make $175,000 people feel poor. Yes. Um, you know, what made them poor was $1 trillion in credit card debt, $1.3 trillion in car debt, and $1.7 trillion in student loan there debt. There it is. All of those with a T, trillion. Mm. Count that with me, boys and girls. That's a lot. So, yeah, they're they're so far in debt they can't breathe. And then, yes, they're comparing themselves to uh, to the to people on social media. And comparison is Rachel Cruz says this is a great line. Yep. In her her book, love your love your life, not theirs. Mm-hmm. Comparison is the thief of joy. That's right. And that's what we're talking about here. That's exactly right. So social media made these rich, whiny brats who can't seem to manage the person in their mirror comparing themselves on Instagram to other rich, whiny brats, sizzle reel, best of picture, is uh, causing them to feel like they don't have any money. Yeah. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. So... Getting by on $175,000 a year. It's a case study every day on the show. You know, We I help people get through that. The book, Baby Steps Millionaires, where we talk about all the people that became millionaires. One of the things I point, had to point out in that book, because we run into it so much, I did an entire chapter on this. A million-dollar net worth is not a billion. No. 
A million is not a billion. So let me help you with this. Billionaires have private jets. Millionaires do not. Mm -hmm. Billionaires have four houses. Millionaires have one. Billionaires have seven cars, including a Lamborghini. Millionaires have a used pickup. Yep. That's correct. Okay, so people think, well, when I get to a million dollars, I'm going to be flying private like somebody on an MTV thing, mm-hmm. right? Is MTV even still open? And is that a good question. Is, is it? Is it still uh, on the air? Apparently, it's still on the air. It's still on the air. It's still on the air, but I doubt there's much music on it. Like there's four people on it now. Yeah. It's kind of gone the way of CMT. It just buried itself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyway, they, um, yeah. So anyway, the, you, you know, when you see the rich and the glamorous and the famous, what you're seeing are billionaires, mm-hmm. not millionaires. And so to compare yourself as a millionaire, which is wealthy, there's only about 14 million millionaires in the United States. That's all. Mm-hmm. And to compare yourself with the billionaire as a millionaire and thereby declare yourself feeling poor, well, it's, it's, you know, of course. So that comparison is the thief of joy. You're right, Ken. You're exactly right. I mean, the opening of this article, and, and this is, this is we've got to pay attention to this, folks, because this kind of stuff right here that, oh, I don't feel like I've got much money when I'm making $175,000. The problem is, is your feelings. You felt you needed a car that you can't afford. You felt you needed to go to a college that you couldn't afford. You felt a lot of things. And let me tell you where this goes, Dave. And I, and yeah, I, people this, told you your feeling mattered. Right. It doesn't matter. And, and so uh, here's where this goes. This is the kind of garbage. These articles are popping up more and more. This is where universal income starts to get a hold. Pay attention to this stuff. Just watch for it, folks, because when I can't take care of my bills, then I need someone to come rescue me. And you got a bunch of people going, I can't afford my bills. Bail me out. Bail me out. Bail me out. And this this stuff is insidious for younger generations. That's the thing we got to keep our eyes out for. I'm telling you right now, we're seeing it tested. Several mayors in very left-leaning cities are testing universal income right now, and it's all because people don't want to have to deal with their own feelings and the mess they made for themselves. So well, they just I, go, take care of it for me. Let me tell you. Watch for it. Personal finance is not a feeling. It's a math thing. That's correct. And so here's a, here's a feeling for you. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. See, that's not a feeling. That's a principle. Yeah, it's maturity. And I, but I want it. That's a feeling. <laughs> but I'm going to throw a fit like a spoiled three-year-old on the cereal aisle. That's a child. It's a child. And I deserve it. You don't deserve anything. You haven't earned the money to pay for it. Come on. You, you know, don't tell me you deserve something. You don't deserve anything. Shut up. Call the ambulance. Seriously. If you, if you deserved it, you could work and save up the money and pay for it. That's then right. we can say you deserve it. Mm. So people say, Dave, you need to quit saying better than I deserve. Better than I deserve is not a statement of contentment. That's a spiritual statement. I deserve hell and I'm not going because of Jesus. That's better than I deserve. Better than I deserve is a statement of spiritual grace. It's not that I don't deserve the success. I deserve the success. I've worked my butt off for 40 years at this. And now I'm an overnight success. Operating word, work. (laughs) And don't even have to for the last two decades. But did it anyway. Hello. This is The Ramsey Show.
Ken Coleman Ramsey personality is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the show, you can help us by subscribing, clicking the subscribe button, the follow button, leaving a five-star review. Click the share button, click the like button, share a link, tell somebody where you're listening, spread the word for us, boys and girls. It helps. We really would appreciate it. We know that is happening because we keep showing up in the top 10 or 12 of all podcasts in the entire world now with 1.5 billion downloads. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. We appreciate you. We appreciate the number of you listening on talk radio and all the other venues that are out there. We appreciate you. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Catherine is in Washington, D.C. Hi, Catherine. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Better than we deserve. What's up? (laughs) Um, I'm calling in today to um, just get your advice on our student loan situation. So um, my fiance and I, we have about, I'd say, 55 thousand dollars in student loan debt and um we paid that down significantly we had over a hundred thousand but um we just um purchased a house and we had been saving you know towards that goal and we're just kind of reframing things now we had saved enough to put 20 percent down um and get ourselves sort of in better position um you know with no pmi um but we bought at just the wrong time. It was right when the interest rates went from like 5% to 7%. And so we're paying about $400 more than we had planned to a month um, on our mortgage. So we do have savings left over um, from what we had sort of been saving up. And, and it's just sort of a question of like, do we dump that money straight into the student loans? Um, or do we do have some work that needs to be done on the house? And we're just trying to figure out like, What's the best course of action moving forward? When are you getting married? Um, well, we kind of put everything on hold because of, you know, saving for the house and, and didn't want to. What is everything? That, uh, just like the, the plan for the wedding. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because there's not a we, we just, until you're married. We don't have a student loan. You got a student loan. He's got a student loan. You have a partnership on a house with no partnership agreement, which is really unbelievably dangerous. Uh, You've gotten yourself into some real scary territory here. So you've combined everything and you have no method for managing it because you're not legally combined. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. If he dies, you're screwed. We didn't really have the right to get married for a while. It's my partner's a woman. So, you know, we've been together 17 years, and I feel pretty comfortable with that. But, you know, that's, I hear you. Okay. It's just, it, you need a detail, if you're not going to get married, you need a detailed partnership agreement. Yeah, we do have, um, we do have some in place, which is, which is great. Okay, have, because I don't um, want one of you dying and the other one being you. left in a mess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. We tried. Okay. To so how much is in savings? How much is in savings? Um, so we have $25,000 in savings. And you have $55,000 in student loan debt. Yeah. And what's yeah. your household income? Um, about 120. Okay. So if we throw 25 at the student loan debt, that leaves us 30 in student loan debt. How quickly does it go away making 130? Yeah, it, it goes it goes a little bit more quickly. Um, we're, no, we're, I'm asking you, literally, how fast do you pay it off making 130? You only owe 30,000. Is that your only debt? 
other than the house? That is our only debt. Yep, yep. We don't okay. have any car payments. We don't have, you know, we we tried to make some smart decisions there. Uh, if you guys will commit to leaning into this and knocking off that other 30 really fast, I'd throw the 25 at it today. Yeah, I guess I just was nervous because we, you know, our mortgage is just more than we had initially intended just because of the, the interest rate. So we are. If a your bit mortgage closer. is so much that you have to use savings to supplement it, you need to sell the house. We don't. We okay, don't. Okay, then use the savings never, and get your student loan debt yeah. gone. Okay. You don't okay. need the, the nerves, are if you need to use your savings to cover your mortgage, you need to sell the house. If the nerves are that bad. Otherwise, you need to not have the nerves and let's get this done. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. I would throw the 25000 at it or I'd sell the house. One of the two. But I don't think you're going to sell the house. So let's throw the twenty five at it and let's take the 30000 and get it knocked out, you know, in under a year. Put $3,000 a month on it and be done in 10 months. That's the way we look at things around here. Hope that helps you. Thanks for calling in. William's with us in Ontario, Canada. Hi, William. How are you? Great. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. What's up? Good to hear. Uh, My wife and I are 27, and we'd really like to do more farming. Um, Access to land is obviously a huge hurdle. So um, my mom is set to inherit 100 acres in, it probably could be 10 or 20 years. We don't know. Um, But since my dad passed away last year, she's been kind of just crop sharing it with neighbor or with my uncles. And we're wondering if it makes sense for us to um, kind of do a, a renting situation from her. Um, That's what your uncles and, are doing. They're renting it on a crop share basis, right? Yeah, but we want to do a different type of farming where we would um, like be putting a lot more fencing in, planting trees and ponds and that kind of thing. And if we, and we would want to live on site to do that. Um, so there's a farmhouse there. So my mom's open to doing that, but we're worried that we wouldn't have any ownership. Yeah, and I would be too. Yeah. You don't so go greatly have, improve the property when you're the tenant. Right. So like it's access to land is so hard. So it seems like there's all this land that we could use, but it's so far away in terms of in terms of what? We could inherit it, like, after my yeah, like, mom would Okay, gone, what's like, this 100 acres worth? Try again, you broke up. About $2 million or so. Okay, let me help you with this. When you're 27 years old and you're broke, you don't get to buy a $2 million business. No, we were thinking of just, um, like, buying a smaller parcel somewhere else that wouldn't be attached to my mom's at all. And wondering if that's a better way to do it. How many brothers and sisters have you got? One brother. Okay. Why don't we go ahead and work out the estate plan and your mom deeds you part of this? Already. Okay. Doesn't she own it now? No. No. So my grandmother still owns it. So my mom won't inherit it for another 10 or 15. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So this property is just, the property's not, it's off limits. Yeah. For now. Unless your grandmother wants to give it to you. But your uncles are farming yeah. it, so she's not going to give it to you. She's yeah. going to give, wait a minute, it's 100 acres, and your uncles and your mom. So why is your mom getting all of it in 20 years? Or 100 is just uh, her no. portion. Yeah, there's 400 total. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Yeah. Okay, that's not going to solve your equation. 
Okay, that that's off limits. Twenty year waiting twenty years to do something and fencing and putting ponds on property that's not yours is insanity. Too many things right. can go wrong with this. No. So if you want to go farm, what are you going to do? You're going to go lease some land somewhere and farm. Okay. That's what you're, you're going to do what yeah. your uncles are doing. Yeah. And like, we're worried about that as well in terms of improving, improving the land while it's only a lease. That's why we're just thinking, like, so you'd recommend we just keep saving up until we can buy our own land that we can improve ourselves. Yeah, don't improve anything. But if you want to be in the farming business right now, you can be in the non-improving someone else's land farming business. Okay. Until you can get to where you can buy some land and then you improve your own land. But I'm, there's not a model that we can recommend that you go spend $500,000 in five years of your life and lots of calluses and sweat. Hmm to improve someone else's property and then they end up with all that no that's not a good plan and there's not a there's not a mechanism that protects you from that just because you have the love and the romanticism about farming farming is an incredible career but don't do it in a stupid way because like any career done stupid it's not fun this is the ramsey show Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host. Marie is with us on the debt-free stage right here in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions. Hi, Marie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Better than I deserve. Where do you live? Ottawa, Canada. Whoa! All the way from Canada to Nashville to do a debt-free scream. Well, congratulations. How much have you paid off? Uh, $132,627.42. Excellent. How long did that take? 46 months. Wow. Good for you. And your range of income during that four years? Um, it started at 59063 and uh, last year it was 54550 and this year is going to be less, unfortunately. Okay. Why is your income going down? Um, I had started with uh, income replacement um, with Veterans Affairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that ended, I was still sick with COVID. Um, and so I got a part-time job and I was just laid off last month. So. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, cool. So right now you're unemployed. Yes. And you paid off $133,000, making basically $55,000, $60,000 a year. Yeah. What kind of debt was the one hundred Um, It was cell phone therapy, overdraft, personal loan, um, school, uh, government loan, credit cards, uh, retirement loan for school, which is allowed in Canada, um, and a student line of credit. Wow. I also cash flowed windows, uh, electricity, and fertility treatments during that time. You were kind of normal. I mean, you got debt on everything. Yeah. So what happened to you four years ago that got you started on this Ramsey stuff? Um, so I had, uh, my mom had sold our childhood home and uh, moved to Ottawa with me because I was going to be a midwife and on call 24-7. And she said that I could live rent fee rent-free as long as I was paying off my debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after we moved, we were doing renos and we had a whole bunch of chaos. Um, so May 2019 is when I really got serious about it. Mm. Okay. So your mom inspired this? Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then how did you get connected to Ramsey? 
Um, I'd actually read your book, uh, Total Money Makeover, in 2008. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only piece that I took was uh, Baby Step 2. So I had this is my second time through, but this one's going to stick. Ah, good. But now you're done. I mean, you're out of debt. You're done with that part anyway, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you get to move forward. And you're not going back in debt again. No, and I listen to the podcast every day, so. Ah, well, thank you. We're honored to have you. What was the toughest part of this journey for you? Um... I think just getting control of my budget. I am a spender with a surplus mindset. Mm. So um, not spending is extremely difficult. And as a single person um, with a daughter and taking care of my mother, it's, you know, there's always things that you want and think you need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that that was the hardest part. And when I started the process, I was in school. And when I finished the process, I was back in school. Mm. So, what are you studying? Um, I just finished uh, cabinet making and furniture. No technician. Very uh, cool. On August eighteenth. So. Okay, so you're ready to go to work doing that, huh? Yes. Very good. Proud of you. Very cool. Sounds like you've been through a lot of transformation. Yes. <laughs> been been a wild four years. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, good for you. Congratulations. Thank you. How's it feel to be completely free? It is amazing. How old are you? Uh, Forty-four. Have you ever been debt-free in your adult life? Um, yeah, I actually, um, when I uh, transferred to the full-time military, mm-hmm. I was debt-free. Uh, oh. I had uh, been working for 10, 15 years, um, and then my income almost tripled, and I went, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> there are no limits. <laughs> I'm a spender. Okay, yeah. I got you. Okay, so that's the fall-off-the-wagon part you don't want to do again. No, never. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, I'm with you. Well, well done. Okay, four years, 46 months, you pay off 133000 making 55000 dollars to sixty. right? That's pretty impressive. Uh, what do you tell people the key to getting out of debt is? Um, the biggest thing, I think, is um, never giving up. Um, I mean, no matter how slowly you're moving forward, you're moving forward and mm, uh you know line. no matter how long it took me i knew that it was going to end yeah way to go way to go i'm proud of you thank you good work i bet your mom's proud of you yes yeah that's just something she likes for you she's yeah. happy for you yeah that's good good for you well played well played well played excellent excellent work all right and you brought your daughter with you right yes and how old is she she is seven. Oh, okay and what is her name Cecilia. Oh, very good. All right. We've got a copy of the Baby Steps Millionaire's book because you are on your way to do that. And, of course, a Total Money Makeover book as well and a Financial Peace uh, University uh, membership for you to sign up. All of that is the Live and Give bundle. You'll live some of it. You'll give some of it. We're so proud of you guys. Well done. Thank you. Very, very well done. All right. It's Marie and Cecilia from Canada. $133,000 paid off in 46 months, making 59 to 54. Count it down. Let's hear a debt-free scream. Three, two, one. I'm debt-free. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Oh, man. That was excellent. Great job, kiddo. Very cool. Margo is in New Hampshire. Hey, Margo, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Thank you very, very much for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Well, my husband and I have term life policies for our life insurance. Mm-hmm. 
and we are 12 years in. Mm-hmm. We've been paying 182 a month. Mm-hmm. And our situation from when we entered into this to now is very different. So we're just wondering if we should stop paying the payout now. Mm-hmm. Well, term life insurance is to replace his income to make sure you're okay if he dies. Yes, so he is retiring within a year. No, but are you okay if he dies? Emotionally, no. No, I'm not talking about that. (laughs) Financially, uh, financially, uh, yes. So what's your net worth? Well, all in with our house, our um, retirement probably about one six one point six million okay and um house is paid for yes kids are grown and gone no kids okay so if he dies you got 1.6 million you got to figure this out and you're how old i am 53 okay you're i think you'll be fine working. don't you i i think i'll be fine i okay. think uh we're both healthy and yeah we we try to live a healthy same thing in reverse right if you die financially after he quits crying he'll be okay right Uh, yes yes he'll be he'll be better off quicker than i will (laughs) okay but i mean he's got 1.6 million too right yes yeah yes and the house is worth how much uh the house is about uh, at least 650 okay so if you got a million dollars and if it generates 10%, that's $100,000 a year. If it generates 8%, or if it generates 12 and you uh, left four in there for inflation, then that would be a general, you know, you pulled off eight as an example. That'd be 80000 So you can live on sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year, right? Yes, we can. Uh, we, we have no debt. I do have two horses, which is very expensive, but... One of them is 25, so unfortunately can, I'll have one at some point. Yeah. Can, can you live on sixty to $80,000 to $90,000 a year? Absolutely. Okay. Then you're self-insured, and you don't need life insurance unless you just want it. Okay. So basically it's okay to not pay the rest of the 18 years yeah. and just take the payout now. Well, there's not a payout on term life insurance. Um, well, maybe it's not term then because they, they say that we do get a, a payout. Well, then I definitely would cancel that crap. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's garbage insurance. Then you've got whole life, life insurance. You don't have term. Okay. Yeah. It sounded expensive, so I'm not surprised. I don't know what the coverage amount is, but yeah. I think we got your answer. You're self-insured. This is the Ramsey Show. Our scripture of the day, James one twenty two. do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Vince Lombardi says, it is time for us all to stand and cheer for the doer, the achiever, the one who recognizes the challenges and does something about it. Yes. There we go. It's almost like the man in the arena right there. <laughs> it really Good is. stuff, man. Well done. Well done. Hey, guys, it's almost over. The August cash giveaway, it's almost, it'll end in just a couple days here. All month long, we're giving away cash. You win one of our $500 weekly prizes or even the grand prize of $3,000 to increase your chances. Enter daily at RamseySolutions.com slash giveaway. 
You can also get our best-selling books like The Total Money Makeover, Ken's number one bestseller, From Paycheck to Purpose, and Dr. John Deloney's Own Your Past, Change Your Future, his number one bestseller. All of those are only $12 right now. And you can pre-order Dr. John Deloney's brand new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, which comes out October the 3rd. And guess what? You'll learn the six daily choices to break free from a life spinning out of control, from a life of anxiety. Plus, uh, when you pre-order today for just $20, you'll get $75 in free bonus items. All the questions from for humans conversation cards are on sale for $12. All of this is happening in the store at RamseySolutions.com slash store. And, of course, to sign up for the free money, RamseySolutions.com slash giveaway. And there is no purchase necessary. Must be 18. Max is in Missouri. Hi, Max. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, how's it going, guys? Better than we deserve, brother. What's up? Hey, so my wife and I are currently in baby step number two, and I am a self-employed flooring installer. So we kind of just need some advice on on maybe the emergency fund or what can we save for during winter time when my slow my work gets kind of slow and January, February, slow months, and income is lower, what can we do or what advice do you have so that when those months come, we can still be paying off debt? Okay, you're, you're installing floors in, on the yeah. interior of construction, right? Correct, like carpet, hardwood, laminate. So why does that stop in the winter? It usually just gets slow. Like I'll have a week or two when uh, every other day, you know, I, I won't have a job or, and kind of we're just nervous on, uh, you know, this coming next season, what, what we can do to be prepared for that. Hmm. Okay. Have you got only one supplier of jobs? I mean, one, one vendor you work for? Um, mainly, yes, I work for one shop, but I also have a couple couple builders that, you know, keep me busy also, but, uh, yeah, mainly I work through one shop. Yeah. This is not a, I need more savings problem. This is a business problem. You need more business. So you don't have dead spots. I want you to be uh-huh. covered up and backlogged and people waiting in line to get you to install their floors. So you don't have okay. these gaps. They shouldn't be gaps. You should be covered right. up all the time, except when you don't want to work because it's Christmas or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need more sources. And if you can't figure out the sources, which you should be able to, you should be working like a dog right now to get that income on an average across. You have a couple of ways to do this, but more options is the answer here it's not about savings and i also say i'll bet you have some other trade skill that you could bring to the table if for some reason and again i don't think this is the case but if for some reason you weren't able to get more flooring jobs um there's some other skill sets that you have where in the trades you should be busier than you could possibly be yeah i mean uh, uh, uh now i mean grass cutting yeah slows down in the winter but installing carpet inside in you know worth things are like warm and stuff it doesn't it, it you know building business doesn't stop in november december january i'll tell you an idea max that i've got i got a good friend who is running a business in the atlanta area dave he just got into it 
and it's these uh, remediation companies. You know, when there's a mold, a, mold remediation. Yeah, there's a flood or something has happened. Oh, oh, frozen flood. pipes. Okay. So they come in and they do all the cleanup of the water. Yeah. But they've got relationships with contractors to come in and actually do the fixing work. Yeah. He needs to be making friends with with people that are in that business, saying, "Hey, you need a good flooring contractor. I'm your guy." Yeah. When there's frozen pipes in the winter. That's what oh, I'm that saying. That be your backfill. Okay, I'll go with he's that. He's as one. busy as he can be right now. Yeah. I'll and go he's with looking that. for good contractors that he can rely on he was griping at me on the golf course i can't find good contractors that will come out and fix floors so i'm just throwing that out there to max that's where we go get more opportunity daryl is in phoenix hi daryl welcome to the ramsey show uh actually sir my name is darnell oh i misread it i apologize austin actually typed it incorrect i screwed up <laughs> sorry darnell uh, what's up that's okay, sir. Uh, uh, that's that's very common. Um, so, um, well, first of all, thank you for having me, uh, Mr. Ramsey. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I actually met Dr. John Deloney down in Dallas, actually. Uh, I, uh, I reeked of uh, tobacco and uh, alcohol when I met him, but uh, he was at a book signing in the, at uh, Barnes & Nobles in Dallas. But let, let me get to my question. So uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to help to my help my sister. Um, my sister, um, uh, her car went out. Uh, she has a, uh, uh, car note on it. She owes $12,000 on that car. Mm -hmm. Uh, she, she also has student loan debt of 20,000 mm -hmm. and her income is, uh, $3,200 a month. Now her living expenses, she lives, she lives with her mother. Uh, we have different moms, but she lives with her mother. Um, uh, uh, her living expenses, you know, you know, housing and utilities is six hundred a month. Food, four hundred. Clothing, personal care, one hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, she doesn't have transportation. She was sharing her mom's car, but her mom's car also went out. Now, what's so wrong now with the twelve thousand dollar car? The engine seized up. She blew the engine. Yes, sir. <sighs> or at least that's what it sounds like. Um, oh, wait a minute. It sounds like. So she's not taking well, it to a mechanic. No, she 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 did. Uh, she told me the uh, the mechanic told her that the engine seized up. The thing is, she she lives in Alabama. I live in Arizona. She lives in Alabama. Okay, I mean, uh, I, I need to know what seized up means because that, that, that you mean she blew the engine is what it sounds like. Okay, so it's a major over. a major repair. You think? Yes, sir. Uh, she told she gave me a quote of uh, it's going to cost her about eight nine thousand dollars. Yeah. Now I came up with. I came up with three options. Okay. Uh, I got a, I got a truck. I can loan her. Mm -hmm. uh, I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna have to put some money into it, but you know, I can loan her the truck. The only thing is the truck got about 300,000 miles on it. It's, it's old. Now it runs yeah. though. Yes. Sir. As opposed to her car, which doesn't run. Okay. Yes, What's sir. the second option? Uh, second option. Um, it's going to take me in what it's going to take me like, I want to say about six months, but you know, I can give her the money to uh, uh, um, put a new engine in, in, in her car. Third option. Uh, third option is she pauses. Uh, she's on baby step number two right now. Mm -hmm. uh, she could pause the baby steps and, you know, save money for a car. Uh, okay. right now she's, fourth she's option. Under pressure. Fourth option is you loan her your truck. You guys all scratch some money together and you buy a used engine from a junkyard and you have uh, a friend down at the church do the engine installation or an inexpensive mechanic do the engine installation, and we fix this car for three to $4,000, not $8,000. And 
$8,000 is either a brand new engine or a rebuilt engine. She can't afford that in a $12,000 car. Yes, sir. You don't spend 8000 on a $12,000 car. Yes, sir. So loan her my truck. and Scratch together the money, put an engine in her car, then take your truck okay. back. A used engine in her car. An engine with 30,000 miles on it and a car that was totaled that's sitting in the junkyard. And it'll be a tenth, the not a tenth, but it'll be 25% of the cost. And that because you just don't put a brand new engine in a twelve thousand mile car or twelve thousand dollar car, that's not doesn't make sense at all. Hey man, thanks for the call, Ken Coleman. Good show today. Thank you, sir. Guys in the booth, great work. The booth dudes are pulling off yet another great program. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. Hey, it's Ken. If you like what you heard in this episode and want to know more about getting started on the Ramsey baby steps, go to RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button. We'll help you figure out the best next step for you based on your specific situation. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com and click Get Started.